Welcome into the Duck Territory Podcast. I'm Matt Pray. Eric Scopel is across the way. Hey, guys. Uh, we're talking Oregon basketball on this episode, uh, previewing the PK-80, recapping Oregon's 4-0 start on the regular season, and then also touching base on the big, 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 literally big news uh, with Oregon's... <laughs> big, sir, Oregon signing Bull Bull. The highest rated player ever to, to sign with Oregon, third ranked player in the 2018 class. And then on top of that, Oregon finishing with the number one recruiting class, at least for now, right. for the 2018 recruiting class for basketball. So that's first ever for a lot of things for Oregon basketball on the recruiting trail. But uh, we'll, we'll get to Bull Bull at the second half of this episode. Let's dive into the PK80 slash four games leading up to this weekend's event. Uh, if you're unfamiliar with PK80, it's uh, the Phil Knight Invitational. It's celebrating his 80th birthday. It's being put on. The idea started with Michigan State's athletic director and ESPN as well. And then, then uh, from there it grew to getting Phil Knight's approval and then finding the 16 teams who are sponsored by Nike, obviously, uh, to, to come together into to Portland. Uh, kicks off Thanksgiving Day. I think Portland State and 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 Portland open up with games against Duke and North Carolina. Good luck. We'll be competitive games. <laughs> uh, Oregon plays UConn at 6 o'clock Thursday, Thanksgiving night. And then they'll all play games. 16 teams will all play two tournaments, um, two brackets. Uh, they'll play games on Friday, and then they'll have Saturday off. And then the conclusion of the tournament ends Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening, depending on when what games you win and lose leading up to it. Um, Oregon plays against UConn. Uh, Big East opponent for the Ducks. Uh, or excuse me, American Athletic Conference. Changed, yeah, it's all changed. Um, should give the Ducks a, a very good test because the four games that we've seen them play prior to Thursday's game, not very competitive. Are you telling me Coppin State, Prairie View, a and Alabama State, and Van Ball State aren't up to the same level <laughs> as Connecticut, Matt? I, I, <laughs> yeah, uh, Oregon has not played a, ch- a challenging schedule to this point. Dan Altman has referred to them as developmental games, which is a nice way of saying they're kind of... You suck. Scrimmages. <laughs> yeah. Or you suck. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. My words, not Davis. Yeah, your words, not Davis. Better not be. Uh, or you're going to have a hard time signing those teams for next year. Um, either way, I mean, Oregon won those uh, four games by an average of about 30 points. Uh, one of those games they won by about 60, and that gives you an idea of kind of the caliber of the opponent they're playing leading up to this. But, yeah, Connecticut in a completely different... Uh, animal in terms of just the, the caliber, you know, the history behind that program. They won a national championship not too long ago. Just three or four years ago. Yeah, in the, in the last couple of years. Kevin Ollie's second year, I think, at Connecticut. Um, they're a team that Oregon played last year and won in Maui, I think. Um, but a, a, a talented team that will give Oregon some challenges. And, and I think the big thing for, for that Thursday game is if you lose that really – makes it difficult in terms yes. of your non-conference schedule because let's be real Michigan State who is the potential team that yes. plays the winner between Oregon and UConn they're playing DePaul and DePaul is trash I will have no problem calling DePaul trash wow <laughs> hot takes you suck and trash Matt throwing around Michigan State will destroy DePaul and DePaul is a team who's not going to help your RPI. Exactly. So you, you you have to win that first game, I think, because you look at Oregon's, the rest of their non-conference schedule, and it's very similar to the first four games here. They, it steps up a little. I think they play Boise State, Colorado State at home, and then Fresno State's their lone um, true road game. But 
you you need to win this game for have you know to be just to play Michigan State even if you don't win that game it helps you because it's your marquee non conference game and it looks like you schedule the it helps your strength schedule your RPI it could honestly it's crazy to say a game in November has as much of an impact but it could be the difference between a five seed and a six seed or a seven seed and eight seed wherever Oregon I mean it could be a one seed line difference just right. because it's gonna probably have a five to ten you know point difference in terms of where your RPI and strength schedule. I mean is. Michigan State will probably mm-hmm. end them end in the top ten of the RPI. Yeah. And whether you lose or you win that game, obviously if you win, that's huge. huge it's huge absolutely win. huge. Yeah. But if, if you lose... If you win, I, you might play North Carolina, by the way. Yes. Uh, and I'm sure Duck fans would like some revenge on that one. Um, again, you know, completely two different teams, though. Totally uh, different, yeah. But at the same time, if you lose to, to either both those games, you know, you, you beat Michigan, you get a huge win there, and then you have to play North Carolina, um, that is just double. That's, you know, that's... Having the cake and eating it too, yeah. um, because you're going to get some incredibly R- huge RPI boosts huge. that you know the, the selection committee will look at and say like, hey, this you know, we're really struggling to figure out who, who should have this four seed, and you know, and it's say between it's it's between Oklahoma and Oregon, and you look at the the Oklahoma schedule and they say, oh, well, they didn't really play anybody. Uh, in the non-con, that's not a good example because they're in this tournament as well. They're going to play some good teams, yeah. Um, but and then you look at Oregon, it's like, well, they lost one of these games, but they won one of them. They've got two, you know, they're one-on-one against top 10 RPI teams in non-conference. And, you know, the fact that USC and Arizona are probably going to be, you know, somewhere around there too. Yeah. You know, you're going to have a chance to have some huge marquee games on your resume. So just having the opportunity to have them on there is is critical. And quite honestly... It's going to be a good test to see, you know, where Oregon is at and how far they are from being one of the elite teams again. Because the first four games, while they haven't played anybody with much of a pulse, we both have come away thinking, <coughs> yeah, understanding the level of competition, they're still looking really, really good. I think your the biggest takeaway for me has been just the depth, and I know it's early on, and they're still determining rotations and kind of how they want to make everything fit together, but. Currently, Oregon has 10 players who are averaging 13 or more minutes a game and six players averaging in double figures and then two other guys averaging eight and a half points. So they've got a lot of different options out there. I think all four games they've had a different player lead the team in scoring, which is also impressive. So that's been impressive. It will be interesting to see now with the step up in competition against UConn and potentially Michigan State or North Carolina and some of these better teams if Dana does sort of condense that and go – We've been playing 10 guys. We're only going to play seven. And who gets cut will be interesting. But um, I think you're encouraged because it's clear that regardless of the situation, Oregon kind of has enough guys that they can mix and match and come up with enough different options to, to be competitive against uh, a, a numerous you know different types of teams. So the three-point shooting a thing we talked about earlier, they, they kind of sorted that out the last two games. They were bad the first two, but they shot about 45% in the last two games. So... It'll be interesting to see kind of how they shoot up there in Portland, you know, different rims. But, um, yeah, I think we've, we've learned quite a bit, actually, from four games, but we're going to learn a heck of a lot more in the next three. Yeah, you mentioned that you've been, you know, quite surprised about the depth. Um, I'm pretty surprised about, and this kind of goes into that, um, just of how good some of these freshmen are. Yeah. Um, and that starts with Troy Brown. Mm-hmm. I, I felt like Troy Brown was going to be a good player. Um, I didn't think he was going to be the team's best player. And I think that became very plainly obvious uh, just a couple games in to his Oregon career that he's the most athletically gifted. Sure. He's 
the highest NBA potential. Absolutely there. And he's probably, you know, arguably the most just skilled from a skill standpoint, the most talented player on, on this team. Um, and it, you could argue he should be because he was a five-star top 20 recruit, top 15 recruit. But, you know, look, Peyton Pritchard was no slouch coming out of high school, a four-star McDonald's. I think he was a Jordan Brand All-American or a McDonald's All-American, one of the two. Um, he started on a Final Four team that was loaded with experience. Uh, and then you've got Elijah Brown, who was basically an All-Mountain West Conference player in the last two seasons, excuse me, and has averaged – you know, I think 20 points a game the last two years. Yeah. Um, and Troy Brown's come in and right away and has made it pretty much known, uh, with his play. Not, you know, not, he's not an ego or anything like that nature, but his play has basically shown he's the best player on this team, but it's not just him either. No. Um, <clears throat> I've been very impressed with Victor Bailey. Uh, you have been too. Oh God, yeah. uh, I think he's averaging like 12 and a half points a game. He's already had an 18 point game, a 15 point game. Uh, and quite honestly, his average would be a hell of a lot higher if it wasn't for a goose egg, the, the first, opener. The, the opener against Coppin State when he just didn't play very well. And, you know, to, to phrase, you know, steal a phrase from Willie Taggart, you know, guys do strange things when the bright lights are on. And you know, that was his first opportunity of, of Division One basketball. And now he's gotten his, his feet wet a little bit and settled things in. He's, he's become very good. But then the other one's Kenny Wooten. Yeah. Um, I went back and was curious about just, Kenny Wooten going into the season, Dana Allman said he's our only shot blocker. Um, he's going to have to have a, a huge role on this team because of that. Uh, obviously, Oregon can't play the same way they did last year with Boucher and Bell. Um, but Wooten has has actually exceeded uh, the production levels of Boucher and Bell's first years at Oregon from a rim protection standpoint. Um, Boucher had 12 blocks through his first four games. Uh, Jordan Bell had I believe it was nine blocks or ten blocks through his first four games, and Wooten's at thirteen. And it's not like he had eight in one game and and four in the other, and then one. It was five, four, and then two and two. I mean, he he's getting blocks on a consistent basis. He's deflecting a lot of balls. He's a lot better than I was expecting, and he's starting to play more and more minutes. And I'm I'm almost wondering. Is he going to be Oregon's starting center come January? I, you know, after watching the first exhibition game, that was my my thought, is he should be their starting center. He's so long and athletic. He, he reminds you a lot of Jordan Bell, not just because he wears the same number, but he plays similarly. You look at the numbers, he's averaging over th- three blocks a game. He's shooting the ball, you know, and these are all dunks and layups. Right. He's shooting the ball at 63% clip. He's actually, exactly what Jordan Bell did. actually 10 for 11 from the free throw line, which is really impressive. But um, he is a very athletic player and really – their only rim protector on the entire roster. I mean, Paul White is basically a, a three or a four trying to play the five. Makai McIntosh is a, probably a two or a three trying to play the four. Um, Roman Sorkin is 6'10", but, you know, he's not physically gifted enough to play down there. And MJ Cage, um, after taking some time off, you just don't know what he brings to the table. He's kind of the wild card there. But right. from what I've seen, I haven't been impressed enough to think he can be a, a real rim protector for them. So he'll... A big challenge will be this weekend if they do get to Michigan State because Michigan State has an incredible front line, and we'll see how Oregon handles it. And I think for them, to, if they were to get to that game, and of course we're jumping ahead of UConn, which is going to be a tough task in its mm-hmm. own right. But for them to win that game, Wooten would have to play really, really well. Yes, um, and I think it's imperative for just Oregon's success this season. He's going to have mm-hmm. to continue doing what he's doing right now. 
to to reach the levels that Oregon wants to be at. And that's a, you know that's a tough order to, to ask of a true freshman. But you know I think he's he's better than expected. Mm-hmm. He, he had a block uh, where in the Alabama State game I think it was where he just went straight up yeah, and just stonewalled the block. That's an incredibly smart play to make. Um, typically, especially young guys, you're going to see the hand go down and try and swat it. And that's where fouls come through. And he was going to get one if he didn't do that. Yeah. But to have the wherewithal to understand, like, hey, I just need to go have verticality and just – I'm really long. Just go all the way up, hands up, and just jump. And no, the refs won't be able to call a foul then. Uh, and, and he got the block because of it. Um, he, he changes the game, I think, for Oregon tr- tremendously. You know, one one thing before we jump over to recruiting that I will be – we mentioned all these freshmen um, – It'll be interesting to see how all of them play on NBA court for the first time against UConn. Yes. We mentioned, you know, with Bailey briefly the playing in the first D1 game, you know, and he kind of had trouble with the trouble with the limelight. This is going to be, you know, they're not playing an NBA team, obviously, but this is going to be a, a much larger arena, an NBA arena. They look around, they'll see the Portland Blazers insignia, the, the NBA insignia. Um, does that play a factor in the mindset of a, of a very young team with a lot of guys who – Frankly, haven't done this. I know Peyton Pritchard has right. played in the Rose Garden, or sorry, the Moda Center, four or five times before as a high school player. But it'll, I'll be, that'll be one thing I'll be keeping an eye out on. It's just, does it look like they have that freshman mm-hmm. kind of nerves out there, you know, playing in an NBA right. arena? Uh, shifting gears here towards recruiting. Um, obviously, if you were, if you've been paying attention to Duck Territory, but if you haven't, uh, and you've been in Siberia for three days. Uh, <laughs> Oregon landed Bull Bull, the number three ranked prospect overall for the 2018 recruiting class, the highest ranked player ever mm-hmm. to sign with Oregon. Uh, and then on top of that, uh, the Ducks also uh, now have the number one ranked recruiting class in the country for 2018. For now, we expect them to probably lose that here in you know in the spring when Kentucky or Duke or Kansas seven, seven of the top twenty players are still available and you figure yeah. that one of those other teams will land one of those guys probably or and now that, that'll you know probably shift Oregon down but they're probably going to finish in the top five yeah and that's going to be the greatest finish in school history because the greatest school finish currently before this one was twelfth which was last year's class um, I think it's a monumental get for multiple reasons. A, it makes Oregon, regardless of Troy Brown's decision uh, at the end of this season, uh, a perennial top five team next season because you've got Bull Bull, who's just a transcendent player, once-in-a-generation once type guy, yeah. another five-star in Lewis King, and then two more four-stars who are top 60 recruits in Will Richardson, a, a guard, and uh, Miles Norris, a forward. Um, Oregon's going to have the most talent they've ever had on paper uh, ever. At Oregon, and a lot of those guys are on this year's team, um, and so they're already adding some more key pieces to that group. Uh, and then on top of that, Oregon hasn't had a one and done prospect. We can say Troy Brown, um, but there's a there's enough legitimate doubt that he goes right away as a, as a freshman and comes back for his sophomore season, as there is people saying he goes right. and is and would be Oregon's first one and done guy. Um, to my surprise. Altman was upfront about it and said he gone. He, <laughs> he gone. <laughs> he's he said that without a he said that it, it wasn't a foregone conclusion that Bull Bull, Bull is going to be a one and done player and that they didn't even talk about it really because he just assumed he's a one and done guy. Uh, Oregon's operating with the intent that Bull Bull's here for one year and one year only and 
He Altman also said that schools have negatively recruited Oregon uh, for that very reason. They can't get one-and-done guys. They don't know how to coach one-and-done guys, and they can't coach one-and-done guys if they even got them. And that's such an absurd statement in my mind, but... You know, but it's happened. But I mean, it's happened. You know what schools are saying that too. Right. It's, Kentucky, it's, it's the Kentucky, it's Duke, Duke's, and right. Arizona. It, and it's it's that's so ludicrous because what's the difference between a one and done player and another player? I mean, what Dana Allman's track record is is that he can coach just about anybody and, and do a very very good job of it. I mean, Oregon has sent you know it, it they haven't had a ton of NBA guys, but just last year they they sent three players and they were drafted. Yeah, I, mean, I look at Oregon and say they've had tons of one and dones. They're grad transfers, <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, so they've yeah they've handled guys in in a one year setting really well. I mean, they've built the program up with that one and done, and now you're seeing the level of, of recruiting elevate to, to the point where they can kind of do it the opposite way. They kind of go with the Benjamin Button. They started with yeah. grad, grad transfers, and now they're going <laughs> the true freshman. But you know the the talent that that Bull Bull provides is is really unique. You said once in a generation. He is if you haven't watched his YouTube videos or or watched clips of him play. You should check it out because he is seven foot three. Um, I believe Jerry Jerry Meyer, the the basketball analyst for twenty four seven, posted he shot forty nine percent from three during Jeez. the summer, which is that's which insane, is incredible, especially for, for a man who's seven foot three. For a seven foot three person, and you know he can handle the basketball, he can defend the rim, he can score in a variety of ways. He is really really talented, and and someone obviously Oregon is going to be building around this year, but. Again, it's not a, it's not a one man class. Obviously, he's the headliner as he would be at just about any other school. But Oregon brings in three other talented players, and I, we looked at the numbers earlier. And um, four of the of the program's top fifteen recruits ever are in this class. Yeah, this is insane. Four of the top fifteen ever. So basically, yeah, I mean, so we're all focused on Bull Bull, but the the bigger picture here is that they're all damn good. They're all damn good, and Miles Norris who. Probably as recently as last year would have been considered a headliner in the class is kind of totally forgotten. He, yeah. he committed a while ago. He signed. It was really no fanfare. Oh, this guy. But they're comparing him to the next Chris Boucher. I mean, yeah. this is a really talented. And that's player. Altman saying that. That's not us saying that. That's Altman he, coming out and saying he reminds us a lot of Chris Boucher. And he's probably going to be a two or a three year player and 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 do a heck a, a lot of really good things. But again, just because you sign a player like Bull Bull, he kind of gets forgotten and. Um, you know, I, and Norris is quite honestly been forgotten in the rankings. If, right. if you, if He's you, a lot. if you follow basketball recruiting intently, like we have to do for our jobs, you'll remember that Norris was at one point a five star prospect going into his junior year, and then he got hurt and missed a lot of time on the AAU circuit, on the evaluation circuit, and because of that, dropped in ranking. And now he's finally healthy going into his senior year of college basketball, of high school basketball, and you know, so maybe Oregon gets a guy that you know he doesn't get hurt. He could be honestly a, a, a third five star caliber guy. And Jerry, Jerry Meyer actually said that Will Richardson, in his eyes, is a low five star in that same analysis piece I talked about. So there is it, or Oregon, in their eyes, might have, might think they've signed four five stars. So obviously a ton to be excited with with this class. And um, you know, next year's team, you don't this year's team is, is awfully talented and young. But you look at next year's team, and and it is going to be a a completely different. Brand of Oregon basketball, a lot of guys with huge NBA futures, and I'm curious to see if, from a fanfare perspective, what the outcome is in terms of seats. Well, the, the Oregon marketing team should be given Dan Altman a big pat on the back because they Thanks, they, guys. they made their job really easy because you just market Manu Bolson, who's a you know if you if you aren't super familiar with basketball, you can look up Manu Bolson, who's the tallest NBA player to ever play and was kind of a legend just because of his size and length and just because he's almost kind of an oddity to watch out there. 
now Oregon has his son, who's not just a really tall player, but a very, very talented player to kind of market around, plus a number one recruiting class, plus a Final Four and an Elite Eight. If you can't fill up the arena with all of that going on, <laughs> something's not going very well. So I'm not saying they're going to sell out every game, but I think you're going to see next year, I would expect, if, you know, with, with what's coming, what's, what they'll have entering and if the possibility of maybe Troy Brown staying in a top five preseason ranking, I think you're going to see a, probably a sellout record in terms of the number of of a seats filled at, at Matthew Knight. Yeah, it's definitely a different time for college basketball for Oregon. Um, and that's something that I wrote about on DuckTerritory.com is that you know, I went back and watched Dan Altman's introductory press conference in April of 2010 when he was hired inside Matthew Knight Arena, which wasn't even completed at the time. Um, and, and one of the things he said was that, you know, good coaches are good because of good players. Great coaches are great because of great players. And we have seen what Dan Altman has done with good players on his roster. Uh, you look at Jordan Bell, you look at Tyler Dorsey, you look at Dylan Brooks, uh, Joe Young, Arsalan Kazemi, uh, Carlos Emery, EJ Singler, Elgin Cook, Dwayne Benjamin. You know, a lot of those guys were four-star caliber guys. A lot of them were very good college basketball players. Some of them are in the NBA today. Um, but I don't think any of them were guys that you looked at and said, when they got here, that guy is NBA ready right, right now. No. He he had you you could certainly say he has a chance. Maybe if he develops a little bit and improves here and and, and can cut down this and do this and do that, he'll find his way in the NBA somehow. And and maybe it's a late first rounder or maybe it's a second round draft pick and have to earn his way through. But no one has been. Yeah, that guy's NBA. Yeah, that guy's NBA. Before they get to Oregon at all. And while these guys are talented, um, I, I think you give Dana Altman true serum, it's, yeah, we've won a lot of games because of skill development. We've, we've turned good athletes into really good basketball players or, you know, good basketball players into great players because of their work ethic, their commitment to, to getting better, and then Oregon's skill development. Oregon's now having guys come into the program where you look at him and say, he's going to be in the NBA in two years. He's going to be in the NBA next season. He could be in the NBA next year if he wants to go because they are getting talent, the most talented players they've ever had. And you comp- you combine that with the track record Oregon's got of in-game coaching, pre- preparation, and skill development. We might see Oregon take another step in the tiers of college basketball. I think one thing, you know, you mentioned teams negative recruiting Oregon for the lack of one and dones. Depending on how things go with Troy Brown, Bull Bull, and I'll throw Louis King, Louis King in there too just because he's also a five-star. Depending on how, this is kind of a trial period. If they, if these guys end up going higher than draft prognosticators had them going before or at the same level, then you can't negative recruit Oregon. Yeah. Right? If, or, if Oregon succeeds better than, than they'd expected, those arguments on the recruiting trail from Kentucky and Duke go away. So and just, that's basically the only thing that's left right. for, for so, negative recruiting order. So, so, so now that they have these guys, and if they go out and have a good year this year, they have a good year next year with those guys, what's left to, yeah, what's left to negative recruit? I mean, Oregon will have the pitch of, hey, we can handle one and done guys. Look what we just did with Bull Bull. Look what we did with Troy Brown and, and Luke. And King. We don't know if those are one and dones, but look what we did with these, these five star elite talents. And look at look at them. Hey, they're playing. He's playing on the Kings, or he's playing on the 76ers, You know, they're going to have that opportunity to pitch it like that. Whereas, like you said, the last couple of years with guys, I'm sure with R.J. Barrett, Big Duke, I'm sure there was a lot of 
Well, don't go there. Don't you won't go there. You, you won't be able to go to the NBA right away. They have right. no track record of it. And I think that, you know, I asked Dane Altman that very question about the NBA success of the past three years of uh, last year's draft, where they had three guys go, and if he felt like that helped. And he he said, yeah. You know, it certainly did. And, you know, you, you turn on the NBA right now and you've got Jordan Bell who's worked his way into the rotation for arguably the greatest team in NBA history ever as a rookie. Yeah. Uh, with the Golden State Warriors, you've got Dylan Brooks who's starting as a, as a small forward shooting guard for the Memphis Grizzlies. Not the best team ever. Not the best team ever. <laughs> um, Tyler Dorsey got drafted and while he's not playing on, on the pro team, he's been tearing it up in the G League. Uh, as a as a loner for for the Hawks minor league team, and you know he got a guaranteed deal, uh, a multi year deal. Yeah. Chris Boucher also got a multi year guaranteed deal from the Warriors as well. So you know Oregon is seeing NBA success, and now you know it's going to become more and more common, and it's, it becomes more and more common that one and done factor will go up and up and up. Um, I'm just curious, and before we wrap this up real quick, um, I think it's. The, this style of recruiting is going to continue because we're already seeing 2019, 2025 star guys uh, really talk up the Oregon program. Oregon's already becoming. If you're if you believe in the 24/7 crystal ball, you can go to, to DuckTerritory.com and look at the crystal balls for Oregon basketball. They're already getting a couple for a couple five star guys for 2019. You know, so this run of elite recruiting doesn't look to be slowing down and that's why it's very important for this year's team to just win a game in the NCAA tournament. You don't need to make the final four again. You don't I mean it would be huge. Don't get me wrong, but you just need to continue the success that they've got of five straight years of winning a game in the NCAA tournament and, and showing, you know, hey look, we can get we can get you to the biggest stage. We can get you a win at, at the minimum one. And more often than not you're gonna get two. And then on top of that, we can get you to the NBA. Absolutely, and, and like you said, I don't see this slowing down anytime soon. I think you'll see Oregon continue to land five-star recruits, high four-star recruits for the foreseeable future, just because of the track record Dan Altman has had. You know, he's he's. I think it kind of gets maybe not publicized as much as people want to, but he is one of the most, the most winningest coaches yeah. in college basketball. Has over six hundred win. I think he's tenth right now in, in in the NCAA among active coaches and wins, and you know he's a lot of those wins happened at Creighton, but. You know, I think it's easy. almost 200 have happened at Oregon. And but but I think you know it's it's easy to uh, it's easier to recruit when you you can kind of say this guy's a legend or this guy's a, a big time college coach, especially with some of these these young guys who are kind of just looking at the last couple of years. And I know I said we were going to get off to him, but that kind of pops another question in my mind. Does yeah. this give add more years to Dana Altman's right. coaching career? Right. Um, because. Quite honestly, we've reached the golden age, if you will, air quotes, mm-hmm. of modern Oregon basketball. And, you know, while I don't think he was ever really co- contemplating retiring next season or in two or three years, yeah. you know, I could have seen it happen in five, you know, four or five years. Um, but does this add, does this success on the, on the court and now on the recruiting trail maybe entice him to, hey, this is going really, really good. It's never going to get better than this or it, it could by winning a national championship, but you know my my yeah. point there. Um, why why end this? Why why stop? I think getting a taste of the pie there with the Final Four and the Elite Eight the last two years gives you a feel of we were so close. We were against North Carolina; they were a rebound and a basket away from going to a championship game. You know, in the Elite Eight they weren't as close, but they had a great season. Just getting that close, probably in his head, I mean, he's a really competitive person. It's very clear. Anytime you talk to yeah. him, I, I'm sure that kind of weighs on him. Like, oh, we were so close, and if we can just keep recruiting 
the Bull Bulls of the world and put together, a, you know, a team and we can win a championship, then maybe he takes an exhale and goes, oh, that felt really good. I'm happy. And, and maybe that extends his career a little bit just because he wants to get that you know, that last kind of thing on his on his mantle. That's going to do it for us, for Eric and myself, Matt Prem. Thanks for listening to the Duck Territory Podcast. You can find us on iTunes by searching for the Duck Territory Podcast. Like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Oregon247. And also go to duckterritory.com for all your Oregon basketball and basketball recruiting needs. Uh, we recently just posted our Whispers in the Wood and Insights Look into the Oregon basketball program for you to read right now if you're a subscriber there. So until we talk to you after the PK-80, we will break down that event. We'll break down Oregon's season going forward. Uh, we will talk to you then. Thank you for listening, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.